Why have I quit my job? Why have I, you know, bought a van? And, and why am I going to drive around the country? Well, I'm passionate about the idea that you need to be heard. And I want to stitch these stories together across the states. We're going to find the commonalities. And it's going to be really an amazing experience. And I look forward to you joining me on the job. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Mental Health Today. I'm your host, Ken Stearns, and I've got uh, Coach Jackie as our guest for this afternoon. Uh, we'll get we'll get right over to you, Coach, in a second. Um, first, really a big shout out. Thank you to everybody that follows the show that does give us some some support. We're gaining a little bit of we're gaining some traction. And I think the, the most fascinating part is the library of guests uh, a really wide range of, of experts and people in the really dedicated to, you know, to helping fellow humans in different ways and uh, different ways, shape and form. Uh, a lot of this is around good, positive talk and learning how to have those conversations with ourselves. I talked on that video uh, about finding the common story among the people I interviewed with the JAR podcast. And overwhelmingly, I was just blown away with the the mental health uh, challenges that people face and the lack of resources or difficulty in getting them. And most of the people really struggled a lot on their own until they found someone uh, or did somehow make it to themselves. But, you know, eventually everybody needs some help. And, and I think, you know, preventative medicine is having good, um, you know, good standard ways, practices, things that are proven to help you. And I think coach, you know, you've got, uh, I think you've got a, a, a deep history, um, you know, not just in the mental health side, but really, you know, just dealing with humans, especially I think, the, you know, working in HR, you see people in their best form, their worst form, their creative form, their destructive form, uh, personal crisis, work crisis. And I think the fact you take all that, ex you know, all that experience and end up coaching people, um, really interested to hear your story and, and get some background. Thank you. Thanks, Ken. And it's great to be here. Uh, so I actually, my grandfather was a psychiatrist in the 30s and the 40s. Whoa. And Whoa. unfortunately, he died very young. So I've always felt ingrained in my DNA yeah. has just been this natural curiosity about humanity. I've always been interested in people. And I went into... Um, the behavioral health and mental health mm -hmm. field right out of college. I worked with youth who were in residential treatment programs, kids who were identified in the system and loved every minute of it. So, you know, when you're working with teenagers who in it of themselves are difficult and challenging, <laughs> yeah. but you add trauma, you add, you yes. know, all their kind of lived experiences. And um, it was really I think the foundation of all the skills that I've learned and yeah, used yes. today. Um, and so I did that. I ended up running uh, some large treatment programs. I did that for about 10 years. Okay. And then I went back to school, got my master's, and I brought my behavioral and mental health background yes. into the world of HR. And as I was sharing with you earlier, I didn't recognize at the time that it was this incredible yeah. marriage. Yes, absolutely. That, um, you know, really that uh, helped to build, again, the base and the foundation of really all the work I did 
with the workforce. Mm. And so I held many different positions in HR. And what I realized what I was actually doing, I was helping the work fit, uh, workforce navigate workplace relationships, okay. help them navigate workplace issues, help them identify professional skill sets to position themselves for promotability mm -hmm. and to figure out what's next in their career, whether it was with our organization or outside. Right, and, right. and I said, this <clears throat> is coaching. This is really yeah. coaching. <laughs> I should That's get paid what, for this. Yeah, this is really what I'm doing. So I decided to get certified as, as a coach. And I did that when it wasn't really as popular as it is today. And I built my practice and a lot of where I felt I could contribute the most, mm -hmm. where I was passionate and energized. Yes. Yeah. And that folks were attracted in working with me was in this career development realm. Okay. So, so I really work with professionals who are, you know, going through, uh, you know, kind of periods of being uncertain, stuck, whether it's trying to figure out what's next, whether it's looking at developing professional skill sets. And one mm -hmm. of the major issues that was coming up was kind of boss relationship issues. And it's I actually wrote a real a book. thing. The real thing. And I actually wrote a book on that called Manage Up, The Ultimate Guide to Managing Your Manager. And um, what was interesting and ironic was um, I experienced uh, in my last full-time position the worst boss I could ever have imagined on the planet. And I thought, oh, well, I, I kind of got this, you know, I wrote the book on it. I, I can like, you know, pull out. This is, oh, this is after you wrote the book. This is after I wrote the book. <laughs> oh, the irony is going to be great. Yeah. So here I am thinking <clears throat> not, and I don't mean in an, in an egotistical way. I mean, like I, I have like, you know, I have a, a tool yeah, belt no. yeah, available have, to me. You're a, you're a black belt. You should be able to handle this. So every strategy failed and it failed miserably. And what I recognized was that, <laughs> You know, our workplace um, is embodied with relationships like any other relationship. And some are good and some mm -hmm. are not. Yes. And um, yeah. I made the decision that I needed to, to leave. And uh, that's when I launched my coaching business full time because I had been I had been, uh, you know, had my business on the side for about 10 years and uh, launched it full time last year. February in 2022. Okay. And, you know, in combination as a career development coach, I'm also a mental fitness coach because the workforce today is demanding that we pay attention to their emotional and yes. mental well-being. And, and that in order to do our jobs really well, it's important that we are in the right place. And today mm -hmm. more than ever, there's just unprecedented levels of stress, overwhelm, yeah. and burnout. So that's really where my focus is. And, and what is mental fitness to you? Can, maybe kind of because that's a it, it's a term. It's kind of new to me, and and I'm still and I like it, um, but I'm not sure how to how to wield it. Yeah. You know, the best analogy that I think about is, you know, we we're very familiar with physical fitness. Yes. Yes. Um, and so I'll give you an example, um, you know, and I, I, don't, I only share this. I, I, 
I've run the Boston Marathon. And in 2012, uh, it was my last Boston Marathon. It was actually the year before the bombings. Oh, God. uh, Because this year was the 10 year anniversary. And in order to run the marathon, uh, there's not many people that can kind of jump up on any given day, run out the door and run 26.2 miles oh, no. and and be successful. There probably are a few, but very few. But in order to get prepared for the marathon, you have to train and you have to train mm. for at least a minimum of four months. And in wow. on the Northeast, because the marathon in Boston is in April. It, it, yeah, it's a- <laughs> you have to train. You know what that means starting thanksgiving so you are training in the the dead of winter oh Uh, the cold the snow the rain the dark everything and so what you do is you kind of you you build up over time and our muscles have memory and so in order to get to that you know destination of being you know physically and mentally ready to Mm -hmm. run that distance you have to put in all this training. Well, mental fitness is very similar and it's really about building, you know, our brain muscles, our mental muscles to be able to manage overwhelm and stress and anything that gets us triggered, whatever our individual, um, you know, kind of inner critics are Mm -hmm. that can often wreak havoc on us. And so what happens is that, you know, an event will happen and, you know, whether we're conscious of it or not, and we can get really derailed um, from focusing on the things that we want to do, whether we um, avoid it, whether we, Mm. um, you know, kind of go through whatever process that, you know, is kind of innate for us. And so mental fitness is really about getting to name your inner critics and being able to have, kind of real life <laughs> practical tips okay right on on how to shift your focus to go from what we would call like a negative mindset yes. or i would say a fixed mindset to a more positive or growth mindset okay oh i like those two distinctions fixed or negative cuz fixed is kind of you're not going anywhere that's right i totally get that i like that distinction cuz that covers both um yeah. So this is, this is an interesting part about the work, the work scenario, you know, and I look at my own career and wow, you know, I probably had all of those things. I had burnout. I had the psycho bosses. I had, you know, the, <laughs> I, I, and even some bosses or people within your sphere that are almost like terrorists, right? Mm. You'd see an email from them and it would spark, you know, you would get some sort of hormone or like a chemical release in your body of just, you know, stress and fear terror of what you know what the email is and what you know you got to respond and you know what it means crazy to think of the kind of stuff that can um be be triggered right Mm. you know by um by a workplace relation and it's just a relationship right yes it's it's just the human interactions are the parts that are stressful the work the technical work and everything else is likely not very stressful Mm. It's the interpretation and the imagination of the relationship and, and imagining what will happen, you know, those kind of knock on effect, the domino stuff that we let ourselves kind of spin out of control in the conversation. Absolutely. Um, what are you, what have you seen a change in the types of 
it's not the type of client you're getting because that, that might be part of your growth, but maybe the type of the type of ask that your your clients have when they're coming to you now or the the kind of that confession when they're coming to you and saying, I need help with this. Mm. I have you seen a change in the last 10 years or five years or since COVID? I, I mean, I hate to say this, but it's true. Most people I talk to are absolutely miserable in their jobs. Um, and it's heartbreaking, you know, there heartbreaking. Are, it is. Um, there are some people that are, you know, enjoying, I think the last few years have put even more mm -hmm. added pressures. Um, lots of organizations are downsizing. There's lots of layoffs. Uh, people are doing the jobs of of many. I, this is a real big issue, I think, right now. Uh, so the workload mm -hmm. is incredibly high. Yes. Um, pay and compensation might not feel um, adequate. Definitely not. Uh, there's understaffing. You know, if I think about the fields that I've been in, so mm -hmm. I've been in the behavioral health, quasi healthcare, education arena. Those, um, even just here in Connecticut, they were talking about that we have a national teacher crisis, like, you know, a, a staffing a teacher shortage that's like at national levels. So, um, wow, that's scary. It is. <clears throat> and so then you think you kind of like raise it up. And so as a leader, your job is to not only be attentive to your workforce, mm -hmm. but in order to do that job really well, you have to model it and you have to be hyper aware of your own level of mental fitness. And many leaders are, they're tapped. They don't necessarily have the resources or the skills yeah. or the support. Yeah. I, Cause you know, it was a real boom. We had a 10 years of, we had it easy. Money was print. The money machine was printing you know, interest rates were low. We came out of a real bubble. You mm. know, we, we were we were pumping up another bubble. You know, we were making a big bubble, and it was everybody. Life was super easy, and people got promoted, and businesses grew very easily without a lot of stress, without a, you know, not, not without a lot of effort. Not to discount what we did, but all of a sudden now, you've like you said, people aren't. You know, ten years of of life pretty good, <clears throat> and to hit this wall. Um, it's got to be tough for some leaders, It'll be mm. very tough for some leaders. I, if you extrapolate, like I go to, I travel a lot and I'm in restaurants. I see food, sir. I see, I see the service industry. Yes. I mean, holy cow. I feel for the people that are there showing up mm. absolutely have to work. Yeah. I mean, they are under, there's no joke. They need every paycheck mm -hmm. <clears throat> and there's a ton of people missing. I mean, you yep. go, there are, you go to any restaurant and it's, it's very easy to see that <laughs> they are not staffed. So if you extrapolate that into the workforce, like you were, like you were just sharing, I, I can imagine, man, you're coming to work and now you're also remote, maybe half the time or all the time, or at least, mm -hmm. you know, still 20% of the time people didn't go back to the office hundred mm -hmm. percent. And it's a, I mean, I'm sorry. It's not, the, it's not the same. You know, no, and, and remote, remote is not the same. And remote workers are experiencing uh, various challenges that even oh. though there was 
um, yeah. a bonus of being at home and there was a lot of convenience, there's absolutely a sense of um, disconnection. Oh, yeah. Lack of engagement. Yes. Um, people are working more hours than they were when they were going into the office like this, this boundaryless day. Um, I had a client who literally our, our focus in coaching was literally to get up and like have breakfast and lunch throughout her workday to get up and move throughout the day because she would be locked into her seat um, at the computer and she would literally get up in the morning and open up the computer, log in and start working. Oh, yeah. And her days so were sad, extensive. Right? Yeah. 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 Well, you said, you know, your bedroom, your laptop. I mean, I'm I'm sitting with my laptop in my bedroom. Yeah. I mean, where is, you know, there is no, there are, the the lines are blurred. Yes. You know, the lines are absolutely blurred. Um, of course, I have had those jobs. I've had those jobs. I've had jobs that were self-inflicted like that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. Where there was, where eventually I did, I eventually did say, okay, this is lunacy. I have to get out. Um we had one office, one office in, I was living in Asia. We had an office in India, had one in UK and one in the US. And, and so to get stuff done for clients, you know, mm. it was quite often phone calls. You could have a phone call at 6 a.m., 2 a.m., 10.30 p.m. It, did, it just, you never knew. And uh, it just, that was not a good mental health job for me. Yeah. And what's interesting is that the younger professionals, they're really demanding um, from their leaders to be paying attention to their emotional mm. and mental wellness. So over the next several years, there's just lots of articles. If you open up a Harvard Business Review or a Forbes or mm -hmm. anything from the uh, Society of uh, HR Management, all the articles are focused on what organizations should be paying attention to. Um, and first and foremost is really about uh, self-care and mental fitness and through programming and access to mm -hmm. uh, mental health services and programming. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's really at the forefront and it really benefits organizations because you think about the impact of, you know, needing to take time off. And so levels of absenteeism are high. Yes. Productivity is impacted. Yep. Uh, turnout, turnover is high. Retention is low. Um, all these kinds of areas that really affect the bottom line for organizations, um, you know, thinking about investing in these programs. So for example, I facilitate, it's a mental fitness program through this organization okay. called Positive Intelligence. So I'm a certified coach through them. And I have the ability to facilitate not only individuals, but teams. And it can also thread through uh, all employees at the organization. And the amazing thing about this program at the organizational level is that if companies... Um, engage with the company, uh, they actually have their family members are given access to the program for free, which if you think about it, very clever, it's really, it's brilliant because, um, you know, we don't just live in our work bubble, you know, everything in our, you know, kind of existence affects all the other uh, parts of our absolutely. world. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. 
That is a great idea. Then you give it away for free for the family. Yes. Because, I mean, yeah, if you're going home and if you have a, you know, if things are good at home, Mm -hmm. it bleeds into work, right? You know, you kind of show up kind of happy and things are good and you're happy to go home. And, you know, as opposed to being, man, if you got bad home life, Mm. I mean, how do you, how do you focus at work, right? Phone call from your spouse at Mm -hmm. two in the afternoon and it doesn't end well. Mm -hmm. I mean, boom, there you're done. Your, your, Your productivity is zero for the afternoon. Yeah. And you could be, you know, managing mental health issues for family members, whether it's your children, whether it's your spouse, Mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, extended family. And so, um, you know, I think the Department of Labor is just uh, igniting um, mental health initiatives. Uh, I just saw, you know, articles on that on their website. Mm. So they're really, you know, at every corner, (laughs) you know, it's if, if we're not, you know, if we're not working on paying attention to the state that we're in, you know, if we're not focused on that, uh, it's going to make everything else so much harder. Mm. You know, so when I referred to running the marathon, you know, yes, it's physical, but it's, it's, it's far more mental than anything that you could imagine. It, it you see these people, these ultra marathoners. Yeah, some guy ran like a, a one for sure is David Groggins. I don't know if you've seen David Groggins before. Uh, this guy, he is a mental. I mean, he's mm-hmm. got this hardest mind. You know, you'll see on social media for people that are, but he's literally done these kind of things where he ran like seven marathons in a row, like seven days, wild in a row. Yeah, And he said it was, it has nothing to do with physical. He's like, it's nothing to do with physical. It's all, and he just like pointing to his head. He goes, it's, you know, it's hundred percent in your brain. And he's, you know, he's one of those maniac, you know, personal, not a trainer. He's a, he's a motive. I don't know what he is. A motivational speaker wrote books, Mm. but he's, he's just a real interesting, hard minded person. And I was thinking of that when you said earlier, the training part is one thing physically, you need to be in some shape, obviously, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but at some point it becomes mental. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's so many, there's so many things in life, which is so true, right? Well, it's funny that you say that because, um, and you pointed to your head when I was running my first Boston marathon, I had a trainer and a week before the marathon, he said, find me at mile 13 and I'm going to have a message for you that will get you to the end of the race. Oh, wow. And so we're all, you know, okay. So in my brain, I'm like, okay, I got to find Rick at mile 13. I just so, only have to make it to mile 13 and then I'll get the magic phrase. That's it. So, you know, and every mile you have a mental game. There's, there's lots of things that you do to get up to there. So right, I remember you know, passing mile 12 and I'm entering mile 13. And all I'm thinking of is I got to find Rick because he's got a message for me and whatever he's going to tell me, it's going to get me to the end of the race. Absolutely. (laughs) And I'm scanning, you know, the, you know, the road looking and I see him crouched in the middle of the road and I'm, you know, our eyes are now locked and I'm like thinking to myself, give it to me, Rick, because whatever it is, it better be good. (laughs) And all he does is this. And I'm going, <laughs> what? And then it dawned on me, it's it's all in my head. I love that. He's like, it is all in my head. And I I will never forget that because that truly got me to the end of the race. It's all in my head. My head. 
It's true. I can totally do this. My body is going to, my body will do it. It's just, if I can just will myself to do it. Yes. And you know, I will tell you something when I, when I was training, I trained with my sister the first race and um, we had never run these kinds of distances before we were, you know, we were total, um, you know, novices and we, we had one rule and there was only one rule that we had. And, uh, and I won't say the word out loud, but there was no um, bleep being and complaining until we were done. The, ever, anything else went and anything else went. And that was the only one rule because you know what would happen is that we would finish and there was nothing to complain about. We were so happy to be done because when you check out oh, mentally... Oh, I really did lose you. Oh, there you are. Okay. I don't know what happened. Can you no, hear we froze. me? Yeah, I can hear you now. So okay. yeah, we were talking about the, if you, when you complain. Yes. I think my, can you hear me? I know my, I, my I, screen is frozen. Okay. I can hear you now and I can see you. Oh, you're frozen a little bit. Okay. okay. I can, I can see you and hear you now. Oh, there we go. Kind of, you're coming in and out a little bit. I thought I had you. There's hey, a bit of a delay. Yeah, I I think my I I'm not getting a warning on my side, but this I know the Wi-Fi here is not super great. Okay, let's try to how. We, I think it looks okay now. Is are you back to delay or no? I think I'm delayed. Okay. It'll be okay, and if you can put up with the delay, the recording should sync. Yes. So why don't you finish that thought? Mm-hmm. Okay. So basically that the one rule was that uh yeah no complaining no complaining and so in order to yeah so at the end of when we were done with any of our training runs or the end of the race we were so happy to be done yeah uh, it's okay i can see you you but i guess you can't hear me Yeah, 
it's just, it, it feels a little weird. So I hear you. I can, I can hear you and I can see you. I just, there's a odd delay. Do you want to, do you want to jump? Do you want to jump out real quick? Yeah. Let me try that. Yeah. Jump out real quick and jump back in. Do you want to go all the way out, Jackie? Oh, there I you did. Are. Oh, okay. there you Oh. <laughs> hey, we're back in real time. <laughs> I'm going to get rid of you over on this one. Okay. Uh, I'll kick that one. Thank you. Sorry about that. There we go. That was too weird. I had you on two on two windows. Okay. So um, how's that? Does that feel better? I think so. I think okay. we're good. Okay. So we were talking about the no complaining. Yeah, rule. yeah. And, and that, you know, I, I think about that any any time, you know, it's hard work. And I, I know this always sounds easier uh, saying it than, than doing yes. it. But I think part of our, you know, mental fitness is, you know, having some, having an ability to really um, identify when we start to get triggered Hmm. Uh, and really finding some practical techniques. And that's a lot of what the mental fitness program actually helps you identify or what are things that you can do that can get you more present, more in the moment. Because when we are feeling these levels of overwhelm and stress, we're either hmm. anticipating the future yes, or we are rehashing or reliving yes. the past. Yeah, yeah. And where we're not living is here in the moment so powerful. And so how do we do that? And so yes. it's practice. And that's the analogy with the training that with the fitness, mental fitness, training. kind of your muscle builds over time. Yeah. And the more that you invest in, in training your brain to really be able to shift that state of mind, that state of being. Mm. Um, and if we're able to do that and enter into more of a growth mindset, a positive, we're far more creative. We are far more mm. innovative. Um, we're more <clears throat> empathic and empathic oh, you're to ourselves. More, yes. Yeah. Right. You, you really do flip the stimuli, mm -hmm. right? The stimulus that would sometimes trigger you. I, I would imagine if you do flip the mindset, then mm -hmm. anything, anything that's fed into you has a completely different output, right? Mm -hmm. the, the way you, if, when you finally do make that switch, when you're able to use the tools and you're like, oh, this email from this person who normally freaks me out because he's a, a jerk mm -hmm. and I know he's trying to kill me. Mm -hmm. Oh, I look at it and I have a totally different way of looking at it. And that, you know, and I, you know how to manage it, the conversation with yourself. True. And it's starting with those little things. So, you know, if you think about marathon events, right in our lives, um, you know, there are things that happen on a daily basis, like you use the email as an example. So yeah. that might be more of a lower level. That might be like a, a 1K versus a, yeah. you know, a 10K event, <laughs> yeah. right? So if you think about it, the more that you're able to manage and handle those lower level yeah. types of events, the more prepared you are when those, yeah. you know, marathon events uh, enter our worlds. Awesome coach. We're kind of, we're, we did our 30, even, yeah. you know, even a couple, even with a couple of minutes of frozen screen time, <laughs> the modern tech, but you know, the modern tech is amazing. Still here we are back at it. Um, really interesting. I, I love the conversation. 
I think this this idea of getting to the workplace for me, mm. and you know, like I said, the, it's a source of a lot of stress. It bleeds over. It's a great opportunity for employers to to fix this. Um, and people can find you at the, at the we've got the the website up www.coachjackieross it's j a c k i e um so you know find Jackie there and i think you got a you have a a dang impressive cv oh thank you i <laughs> and, appreciate that yeah and i and i love hr people i've you know there really are um over the years i've had some really great you know inspirational leaders and they mm. are the people a CEO has two friends. Doesn't have really any friends. A CEO. Mm-hmm. It's the loneliest job on the planet, um, which is a weird, <laughs> just a weird dichotomy. But the two friends for the, any CEO, the two most important people. One is the CFO, mm-hmm. and the other one is the, is is the CHO, mm-hmm. right? Or the the head of HR. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the two people I see really a CEO leaning on the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact you've had that experience and that you can take that into the individual level or corporate level and coach teams. Fantastic. That's awesome. No, I, I, it's, um, a thrill. I, um, I learn something every day and, you know, the thing that I, I always tell my clients, there's, there's two things that I tell them. One is that they are not alone, that, um, so true that even though the details are different yes, um, yes. in the individual stories, the themes are the same. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all, you know, searching for very similar things and that we're not that far off. Um, I started playing golf um, a couple years ago and I learned, I think Tony Robbins talks about this. He uses the analogy of golf and that it's really these micro movements. Sometimes we think we have to make these huge shifts and it's often not these big shifts, it's these micro movements that make all the difference in golf, whether the ball's going to go on the fairway or it's going to go out in the, in the trees. And I think that's true in our lives, that I'm a, a huge fan of kind of micro living, you know, making these micro movements, because mm. um, those are the things that were, are more sustainable, they're more doable, and they have huge oh, impact over time. I I. And they're, like you said, they're doable and yeah. I can, you know, and you can kind of reward yourself with a little micro gain and yeah. lay down at night and you're like, I did something today. And it didn't, you said, it doesn't have to be, I got my master's this week. That's right. Right. I like that. And when you're training for the marathon, you don't go from 10 K to 5 K. I mean, from nope. 5 K to 10 K in a week. That's right. right? That's you're right. Adding, you're adding that point something every, every session, or you stay at a certain level for a while mm-hmm. and then stretch up. Jackie, it's been awesome. Thank you so much. Um, thanks everybody for listening and supporting mental health today. Also the, you know, get over and check out our jar podcast, uh, www.thejar.live super cool project, uh, that I'm involved with helping, you know, driving around the country and interviewing 444 people, uh, about life stuff. And a lot of the kind of topics and things that, uh, Jackie and I talked about today. Jackie, thanks so much. Thanks, everybody. Jackie, hang around. I'll see you on the other side in a, in a moment. You got it. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Yeah, loose, baby. But we're about to go and 
make this vessel with these great professionals in public glass. We're not part of the community, but we're from the outer family of glass blowing. Yeah, we're gonna go make a magical giant jar with optic lenses so that if you turn it, it changes all the time. So if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change.